0: This is from Justin McCain, a podcast where Mike Robertson and Bob LaRue watch one critically acclaimed film and one terrible film and talk about how they are the same. also definitely something i want to talk about on this episode is mystery science theater 3000 and how you love it and i hate it (laughs) it's just distracting and the audio of the film is so low so that you can hear the people riffing yes but what they say is not that funny were you chuckling at the riffs when you watched mac and me uh sometimes i was i not once did i laugh there's some real duds and by real duds all of them. They were all real duds.
1: Yeah, I don't know. You kind of have to get into the zone. I remember the first time I watched it, I I was weeping laughing, but I don't remember what part cuz the second time I watched it, I did I barely chuckled, so
0: interesting. But who knows? Did you did you watch Mystery Science Theater 1000 or whatever, the original show? I did, yeah. Hm. Is the it better?
1: I remember it being pretty funny, but it also might just be bad.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. The biggest thing that pissed me off was the audio, because I wanted to just watch the movie, but then there's these three little silhouetted heads in the lower right corner moving, Uh talking, twice the volume of the film. Yeah, that's great. No, it's terrible. It's a bad way to watch a movie. Uh, well, we disagree, I think. Yeah, that's okay. I have a question for you. You look kind of, uh, chilly. Are you shivering from how cold that open was? Oh, good, good. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha! Put a sweater on, Mike. I was actually—we
1: um, were actually sitting outside. We have a little pool. We're sitting outside. In the oh, that's pool right. We bought a rain. kiddie pool. Yeah,
0: it was starting to rain. So, well, it's free water, isn't it? I guess it get is a funnel. It.
1: But we actually spent a good amount of time just trying to put in some warm water into it, so that it wasn't just freezing water from the hose.
0: <laughs> and then,
1: as soon as we finished and sat in there, it started raining.
0: Well, it's not even that hot out. No,
1: it wasn't even that hot out when we started.
0: Yeah, like uh, you know, I was working last night, and we we were—I had like a parka on, mm-hmm. like full on like winter gear—and it was, you know, it's August what sixth, seventh, or whatever. Yes, it was fucking chilly, man. It was fucking chilly. I know the summer's over, man. Ugh! Now, now we're in the lightning season.
1: Yeah, now we're in lightning season. Boo lightning!
0: Um. All right, Mike. What are the two movies where friggin' doing this week
1: well should we do like an intro or something
0: oh yeah fuck me i guess wow that's even colder the opening was so cold we didn't even introduce the show we just went right into it um yeah let's introduce yeah yeah you do it mike
1: uh hey everybody (laughs) welcome to from justin to Kane. it's me mike and with me as always is the incorrigible bob yeah you can't
0: get rid of me yet can you
1: nope and bob you try and bob just celebrated his birthday like having a basically a bender week it sounds like so
0: yeah is, real i'm extremely hungover and nauseous as we speak yeah so buckle up people
1: and what better time to talk about mac and me yeah uh, the yeah the et ripoff and then also scott pilgrim versus the world a comic book oh. adaptation
0: well, isn't the slogan for Mac and Me "Mac and Me" the most intoxicating film in the world? Yes. Yeah. So you know, buckle up, everybody. It's a great movie.
1: You're like friggin' Mac, who just gets drunk on uh, Coca-Cola all day.
0: But I also look like a gross old skinny, shriveled up baby raisin. Yeah. With extremely tanned, leathery skin
1: and like a weird, a weird mouth.
0: Super weird mouth. You you know it's fascinating. The movie was made for sixteen million dollars. Seems like a lot. Six six years after ET, but the puppet technology definitely was much worse.
1: It seems like it, yeah.
0: But way more McDoubles.
1: So many more McDoubles in this movie. Yeah, yeah. So we're t- so we're talking about Mac and Me from like what year did that come out?
0: Nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, and then
1: uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World just came out in twenty ten. Wow. Wow. Wow! So we just celebrated his 10 year anniversary of just last year.
0: That's right and Mac and Me it hasn't celebrated well a notable anniversary in quite a while so 2018 would have been the 40 year 30 year anniversary. Mm, yeah. Uh,
1: I remember watching Mac and Me though as a kid a lot. What? You watched it as a kid? Oh yeah we rented it from the video store many times.
0: I've, I saw this movie so many times as a kid. Do you know what MAC stands for? It's an acronym. Mm, I bet you can figure it out. It's pretty simple. Something
1: alien creature.
0: Yeah, mysterious alien creature. Yeah, there we go. The guy doesn't even have a name, just an acronym.
1: And they don't say mysterious alien creature in the movie, do they?
0: No, no, they don't. And like the agents, the government agents that are chasing them never say anything. Yeah. Specific like that. But then in, you know, in all the literature, it's... uh. You know, mysterious alien creature. So that's kind of interesting. All of the literature, the the uh, the <laughs> oodles book. of literature. Yeah, the phantasmagorical uh, companion novels that came out. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. Well, shit. We should get into in into these two movies. I will say it was my first time for both, whereas these were repeat watches for Mike. Uh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, And I had a good time, no matter what, minus the Mystery Science Theater part, because that's the only way I could find Mac and me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we watched the uh, Mystery Science Theater
1: version that's on Netflix.
0: Yeah, 3000. So season 80 or whatever. Yeah. But they're on. Um, Yeah, it was a rough go, but I sat through it anyways, listening to people riff. Not unlike what you and I do, Mike, but I don't listen to this podcast, uh, so um well let's start talking about the history let's let's start with scott pilgrim <laughs> bob, bob <laughs> just
1: looks like he got hit by a car <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: feel, <laughs> I i am literally a husk yeah you look of a man like i'm hollow in and a dead bad
1: place right now
0: <laughs> i am in a rough spot everybody yeah i'm on three hours of sleep i was doing an overnighter after binge drinking the night before woof it's been a Oof. tough go that You know, turning twenty-four is probably the most painful age I've I've turned so far, but Mm -hmm. it was all self self self-induced. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But uh, you know what? I'm here. I'm ready. I got my my non-bubbly, bubbly bubbly water, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I'm ready to friggin' talk the shit out of these movies and talk about how they're really identical.
1: They're so identical. Yeah.
0: I have a quick question because I watched Scott Pilgrim like a month ago or like six weeks ago. Is there mm-hmm. any product placement in Scott Pilgrim? So much. That's what I thought. I was like, this, I, if I remember correctly, well, that's the first similarity. I'm just going to take that away from you because I know it's on your list. Probably. I was literally just, yeah, looking at Oh, that wow. Way. Wow, I'm but so sorry. On. You know what? You say it. No, you go on. Okay, well, you know, there's pretty blatant product placement uh, in Mac and Me and mm-hmm. also same with Scott Pilgrim.
1: Yeah, because in Mac and Me, it's McDonald's and, and Coca-Cola. Yeah. And Scott Pilgrim... Uh, It's more Canadian. They do mention Amazon.
0: Oh, yes, that's right. Uh,
1: And then there's also just a bunch of Canadian and Toronto, mostly just Toronto-based stores and restaurants, like Pizza Pizza, Mm -hmm. Israel, Second Cup.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe another similarity is that both um, films have a very specific geographical sort of... It's explicitly stated where the movie takes place because there's a scene with the family in the van and they're driving into like Sacramento or whatever, mm-hmm. in California, and they're like, "Wow, look!" And then same with Toronto. It can't be that explicitly stated if
1: you just said Sacrament, Sac- Sacramento or whatever.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. It's I remember the green sign. The mom's driving the van. The aliens in the back, and it's like I think Sacramento yeah. or L.A. I don't know, man. But they
1: came from Chicago.
0: Yes which is close to Toronto kind of well there's another similarity right there yeah kind of huh? uh, well they're always
1: yeah they kind of are always pointing at a city in the, both of these movies they're both talking they always bring up Chicago
0: and uh Toronto so
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah very very uh regional we'll say yes
0: yeah um well let's let's start talking about Scott Pilgrim because uh, uh, okay. I, I also maybe maybe I should just paint a little picture for the listeners at home for all the canines, all the colorblind canines. Mike is sitting in his office, and behind him is approximately, I'm going to guess, 28 inches wide by 16 inches tall poster of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, and uh, he's had it for years.
1: Yeah, it's like an illustration. I got it. I bought it off of Mondotease.com. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah, yeah. Mondo's great. Yeah. Just just be real, what was the price tag? Do you remember offhand? Uh um, S- Steep? Was it steep? No. As steep as that cliff was that the kid fell off of <laughs> in Mac and me? <laughs> uh
1: no, it wasn't that bad. I think it was like forty or fifty bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, and then it's in an IKEA frame. So the whole the whole thing, I don't know. I mean, it's a good centerpiece for the room. It really ties the room together or whatever.
0: Should we have an IKEA corner? Sure,
1: yeah, we can have an Ikea corner if you want. It doesn't
0: need to be right now, but just in the future. I love Ikea. We'll talk about it Okay, time. we'll have
1: an Ikea corner.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. Anyways, so yeah, I, I would say you're like, uh, what, uh, a bit on a scale of casual to super hardcore, what? how big of a fan are you of the original graphic novels and the movie?
2: Uh,
1: I have the graphic novels also behind me.
0: Oh, my God, look at that. They're like right,
1: beside yes. the, oh. right beside the Fellini box set.
0: Your your big dumb head was blocking it, but now I can see it perfectly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I have the comics. I've read them a couple times. I think, I've seen the movie many times. Probably my second most watched movie,
0: after uh, what? Dumb and What's Dumber. Your most watched movie.
1: Probably after Dumb and Dumber. Ugh. Uh, yeah. the movie's great. The yeah, I don't know. The video game I have only like briefly played.
0: There's a video game. Yeah,
1: there's a video game, of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. What? It's like a side scroller, kind of like you walk left and right and punch people. It's like Final Fight or Ninja
0: Turtles. On like, uh, what, your computer or like your. You can play uh, it on all the systems.
1: What? It came out originally on PS3.
0: Oh, shit. I had no
1: idea. As a digital only game. And then, yeah, you weren't able to play it for like a good five or six years until just hmm. this last year when it came out. They re released it. Interesting.
0: Cool. So anyways, you you you're like definitely a fan.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I celebrate the the films, the soundtracks, the comic books. Yeah. The soundtrack is awesome in this movie.
0: It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's outstanding. Um okay, sick. Well, like shit. Get take us down <laughs> Memory Lane here, Mike. What was it like What's this movie all about?
1: Ah, uh, so Scott Pilgrim versus the World is a movie based on a comic book. The comic book is a series. So I think there's like six comics of uh, different names. Um, They were written by Brian Lee O'Malley, who's from Toronto. And the movie was written, produced, directed by Edgar Wright of Shaun of the Dead fame. Mm -hmm. So they started uh, getting this film adaptation ready uh, after the first comic came out. So there's six books. And after the first volume dropped, uh, Edgar Wright got a hold of it, I think at Comic-Con, and decided, hey, I want to do this because this is really cool. Uh, there's a lot of like imagination in this comic that I think would translate to movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were working on it for a couple of years and then they started filming it in 2009 um, from March till August of 2009. And then it came out uh, sometime in like 2010, I think. And I saw it in the theater.
0: Oh, you did? Yeah. Man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 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 Good for you. I, I didn't. I watched it on a laptop. Classic. Yeah. It's the way it was intended to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, The movie had a production budget of like 85 million bucks, 60 million if you um take into account tax credits. Mm-hmm. And it was a big box office bomb. It did not make back its money.
0: Really? Oh, yeah.
1: It was, a, oh, shit. It was considered a huge bomb
0: at the time. Well, here's another similarity. Both movies bombed at the box office that's with true, huge actually. budgets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How much money did it make? About half? Back? Uh,
1: yeah, it made about 50. Yeah, so, so It wasn't like a Just huge,
0: huge bomb, but I don't... Mm. Yeah, obviously they don't want to lose money on movies. Well, they probably made it all back from these posters that third-party companies are selling. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure that the DVDs and all that stuff...
1: At, I think it all, they, all always, they always kind of break even.
2: Mm-hmm. They're yeah. always
1: like, "Oh, this was a bomb," just so that there is like a narrative to it. But I think a lot of movies really can like break even, unless it's just like such a huge bomb, and then nobody buys like, uh, the movies.
0: Well, I bet you, Mac, and me, I haven't read anything on this, but I bet it made its money back because it became such a cult hit.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Famously bad, famously fun.
1: hmm. Um, Yeah, and Scott Pe- Scott Pilgrim has become a cult movie. Uh, where they would have midnight screenings and stuff in different places. So I think, yeah, in terms of box office, I'm sure it's like climbing. It's getting up there. And it did get good reviews from critics. So it was like a well-received film, but just mm-hmm. probably not by audiences who had no context for the movie because the comics weren't um, like super, super famous. And also, I don't think it was advertised well, from what I understand. Like uh, the even the poster... That they went with doesn't even you can't even see Michael Sarah's face. There you go.
0: Okay. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh And also let that be a note for all you would be filmmakers. Also, all of but, the
1: celebs in the movie were not s- celebs at the time because it's got a stacked cast. Like it's actually got a really really amazing cast considering. But nobody. Yeah, knows. there's a lot of
0: heavy hitters, but I guess yeah, they were all kind of on the brink of their success. Yeah, hey?
1: exactly. So they were all just just about to break. Um. Oh. Yeah. So. I was wrong. He didn't uh, get the graphic novel at Comic Con. He got it when he was on his press tour for Shaun of the Dead. Not that it Mm. really matters.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, the canines really, uh, you know, shit all over us when we would get stuff wrong on our Instagram, you know, those vicious comments that they leave.
1: Well, you also get a sense of just like when the comics were coming out and when they were starting to work on the movie. I think Shaun of the Dead was like, what, 2004 or 5 or 6? Something like that, 2006, I think?
0: Four, five, six, seven. 2008 maybe nine (laughs) yeah Uh, fuck man 1999 i don't know
1: hot fuzz i think was 2007 or eight
0: isn't hot fuzz your nickname it is yeah hmm let's just let's just leave that there just so everyone knows mike hot fuzz yeah that's that's
1: me that's me yeah so brian leo malley made six of these books and they started making the movie after the first one. And so the story for the comic and the movie were kind of being developed at the same time. Hmm. Um, and so as a result of that, um, several, several lines from the movie or from the scripts for the movie, um, ended up in the comics. So it wasn't just kind of like a one-to-one or just like, Oh, we're just taking this comic book and making a movie of it. It's like sometimes the movie kind of influenced the comic too. Hmm um uh because they all of the comics have a different name um scott pilgrim's finest hour being one of them the last one
0: Mm -hmm. did Um, did he did he like have any involvement with the screenplay
1: brian Lee O'Malley. yeah yeah he was like very involved with it yeah he he, like added a bunch of lines to like some of the drafts was it it written by edgar wright and a guy named michael bacall who you might know from 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street.
0: What about 23 Jump Street, 24 Jump Street?
1: No, but they are making weird signs. They're making a remake of that he's writing. And oh. Remaking The Running Man that he is writing also.
0: Oh, fun. I love The Running Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. So anyway, that's... that's um, yeah, So Brian Lee O'Malley was involved with the script a little bit. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim's Finest Hour, the sixth book, did not. Mm-hmm. None of the stuff from that came. Uh, none of the stuff from that book appeared in the film because it uh, was not even like written or drawn by the time the movie came out. So.
0: Just like Game of Thrones, man. Yeah. Sometimes the production sort of usurps the uh, source material. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So this is an example of that. And also, so uh, I watched this movie on. Uh, the Blu-ray, and there was a some uh, deleted scenes, mm-hmm. so it did have the original ending, which they wrote and shot for the movie where Scott gets back together with knives instead mm-hmm. of getting together with Ramona, right? Um, and it is kind of like a downer ending because Ramona is just like sad and then she leaves. And then you it's- know what's
0: funny? Uh, so watching the film, I was like, man, it feels like he could go either way here really like they both felt appropriate in my mind i was like yeah, yeah yeah like being with knives would be just fine with me i don't know they both kind of felt like good options yeah which is weird but yeah i don't it, know
1: to me it seems strange that he would do that considering he's kind of ripped on the entire f- film for being with a,
0: a basically a teenager
2: Mm-hmm. oh
0: you really have a way with words mike my god
1: <laughs> <laughs> she is literally a teenager so,
0: yeah yeah and he's a pervert yes he's kind of okay. a pervert. yeah yeah scott pilgrim versus all the pervert haters
1: all the pervert haters yeah they they you know they hate perverts what can i say mm-hmm. uh, so anyway they filmed that ending and then they did some screen tests and people were just kind of like a bit sour on the ending and the book the last book they changed that ending to have it so that scott and ramona get together like if you read the comics uh scott's relationship with ramona is like it's really well drawn so you really get like a sense of like their relationship it's not just like he's kind of has a crush on this girl that he just met and like it takes a week of their life you know like the movie mm-hmm. it's like it, you get the sense that they're together for like a couple of months or for even like a year so yeah the comics really stretch things out whereas the movie is like seems like it takes place in a couple of days mm-hmm. um so in the book yes yeah, scott and ramona get together and then uh after that, they were like, "Oh, we should maybe change the ending." So they reshot the ending months after the original was filmed. Um, also, Edgar Wright lived in Toronto for a full year before making the movie, which is kind of
0: wild. Wow, as like a method director?
1: Yeah, because I think he was like, "Well, this is like set in Toronto," end. and in many ways, Toronto is the fifth character of the
0: film. Uh, Ugh, <laughs> go away, <laughs> leave. Ugh. Um. Also, apparently,
1: he was living in Quentin Tarantino's guest house before before that. No, before that. Oh, when he came to
0: LA, yeah. Wow, that's oh, you know, I could, I could uh, see like if he hasn't made a film in America yet, Tarantino's like, oh man, I love your shit. Stay with Mm -hmm. me. I could definitely see that happening.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a podcast that I've been working through for the last like couple of months. Mm I believe it's the Directors Guild of America podcast. It, it is, oh yeah,
0: and it's um, just I, with interviews, right? They interview each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's uh no, it's Empire Magazine, The Edmi- Empire Magazine Film Podcast. Oh okay. Uh, it is a three and a however many long hour interview of Quentin Tarantino
0: with um, Edgar Wright. Oh wow!
1: And they they basically they just the two of them just talk about movies.
0: Do they not both sort of have? insufferable uh you know like personalities i think edgar wright's just a normal guy oh is he yeah and then tarantino's just like super extra oh yeah
1: it's kind of hard to listen to because um he yells a lot he yells a lot and then for whatever reason he is just on his computer or ipad or something in 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 a very very echoey room and it's kind of hellish to listen to
0: can you hear the uh like his fat fingers typing away (laughs) like googling shit or whatever not that i could hear what do you mean on his ipad
1: he's just like doing it's like they're recording of a zoom call because it came out during the pandemic
0: oh i see i see it was just
1: a long interview of him being interviewed over like crappy technology and it just Mm -hmm. sounds like garbage and Mm -hmm. he's yelling the entire time about like how great his movies are pretty fascinating though
0: I well, you know what I, I I listened to the Joe Rogan and the armchair expert interviews with Quentin Tarantino, and uh-huh. it is fun. Like he gets into it, and he's very articulate. Yeah, he's like but passionate. He's he's very passionate, but like us, you know, he's the master of talking about nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like nothing that really matters. Cool, that's interesting. I guess they are roommates for a while.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah uh anyway uh back to this movie so the a lot of there's a lot of cool toronto stuff in it
0: hmm uh like lee's also Palace. you famously lived in toronto uh, famously, very briefly I did.
1: famously i did yeah and i it was shortly after this movie came out and so oh wow i went on a, a one one or two afternoons i would like went and we tried to find locations from the movie that's called a pilgrimage oh yeah yeah,
0: yeah. All right, nice. podcast is
1: over. We we on A Cinephile
0: the Pilgrimage to TO. Ugh <laughs> uh, anyways. That's, that's awesome. So did you find stuff? Like, did you find locations?
1: I mean, a lot of them are very easy to find. Like the honest eds is very out in the open. The mm-hmm. pizza pizzas, you know. I was trying to find like some of the houses that they shot in, but I think some of those were shot on sets. Right. So right. yeah, but uh so yeah, some of the the places where they did shows, Lee's Palace. Um, mm-hmm. was like a, a bar at the time uh, and it had that mural that was eventually either taken down or painted over or something uh, and then they reconstructed uh, Lee's Palace like this bar that I played a show in I think um, when I was in a band mm-hmm. they, they reconstructed the old bar um, on a set and a bunch of like Toronto musicians who were like on set as kind of uh, reference points i guess for toronto uh like the guy from sloan yeah a lot of them were just like we got to like keep this and preserve it in a museum because apparently it was a very very accurate reconstruction really yeah same with another one called the rocket club which i don't remember but must have been a thing in the early 2000s Mm. um sonic boom was a record store and they re like they shot in the the record store but then they also changed it from how it was now they like, they renovated to make it look like how it used to look, which is mm-hmm. kind of strange. So they restored it, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Sarah is from the Toronto area.
0: Were, were, are you, when you were in a band, were you the Scott Pilgrim of your band? Yeah. Or was somebody else?
1: I was, I was the definitely because I was kind of the, the Lucy Goosey one. Yeah. I was the pervert of the group. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Lucy Goosey pervert.
1: Um yeah. So Michael Sarah was cast after Arrested Development, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Edgar Wright saw Arrested Development and was like, he's good. And then the soundtrack has uh, metric and broken social scene mm-hmm. uh from Toronto. Kid Koala also, I guess, is Canadian. He's a DJ. Uh, but then other music, I guess Cornelius, Dan the Automator, and Beck. Beck wrote all of the music for Sex Bob Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And apparently he did it in like a day or two. He just was like, this has to sound like a bunch of people who don't practice enough. So Mm -hmm. he just kind of like went with his first ideas. But they're good. Uh, And the band Sloan, uh, Chris Murphy, like the lead singer of Sloan, was the guitar coach for the actors. So if you watch behind the scenes footage, he's like in a lot of the behind the scenes footage. You're like, hey, it's the guy from Sloan. And he just kind of coached the band on how to play instruments because they... All didn't know how to play instruments and they all had to learn for the movie. So Mm -hmm. they spent like a couple of months living in Toronto. And I understand it was kind of like a, felt like a big family by the end of the shoot because everybody just
0: kind of had this pilgrim as you said. That sounds fun. Like if you're just like in a city you're not from with all these other people and Mm -hmm. then you basically just get paid to jam.
1: Yeah, it feels like summer camp. That's awesome. We get paid to jam and to do like martial arts training. Yeah, that's fucking
0: sweet. Yeah.
1: yeah, So they did uh, martial arts training with uh, the guys who were, worked with Jackie Chan, like their stunt team. Oh, wow. And it was filmed by Bill Pope, like the camera guy was Bill Pope, who was the camera dude for The Matrix.
0: The that's right, and he's shot a lot of legendary stuff.
1: Yeah, he films a lot of action stuff. I think he also filmed, um, around this time, he did Team America. Did he? I think Bill Pope did Demon America as well. Oh, I love that. Cause, yeah, because he kind of is good at filming action, so makes sense.
0: And pervert puppets.
1: Also regarding music, uh, Broken Social Scene wrote all of the songs for the band Crash and the Boys.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And
1: Metric wrote the song Black Sheep that the Clash at Demon Head play. Mm-hmm. Which is like a good song that they just kind of released as their own thing, I think. It might be on one of their albums. And then they just also have this as this song in this movie. Also, all the bands are named after video game things. Sex Bobomb is like a Mario thing. The Clash at Demon Head is like a video game. I don't remember it. And Crash and the Boys
0: is a video game.
1: Hmm. Supposedly, uh, Seth Rogen was supposed to
0: be Scott Pilgrim. That would not have worked. Oh, I know, I that, know. What a, what a different movie. I know. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, that's nuts.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. That's about it. Uh, here's a similarity between the two movies. Mm. Scott Pilgrim loves Coke Zero. Mac and me right. loves regular Coca-Cola.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. So Coca-Cola Everyone loves Coca-Cola is, yeah. in that movie.
1: Also, there's characters with vegan diets in both movies. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's the vegans, like Todd, one of the ex-boyfriends, is like a vegan. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the vegan police, and then in Mac and Me, uh, Mac and like Mac eats Coke and Skittles
0: a lot, which are both famously vegan snacks. Yeah, along with Oreos. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good one. I like that. I like that a lot, Mike. Um, is it my turn? Mm, yes. To talk about Mac and Me, the ET knockoff. Um, okay. Is this three. so? Is this
1: was this movie like? Famously an ET knockoff.
0: It uh, seems like yeah, when you watch it. it, it is. So so the intentionality was a uh, the producer. Let me read this thing actually because it's pretty funny. Yeah, there's a little snippet here. So the producer R J Lewis. Um, he was in charge of all of McDonald's advertising campaigns,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he was also like working on the PR for the Ronald McDonald House charities. Right. Um. Somehow he was like, Ronald McDonald is more famous than Santa Claus, but E.T. is a close second. And he said the next generation needs their own E.T. And so that's why he started developing Mac and Me as like the next generation's E.T., which is really odd. Yeah, because it
1: wasn't even like five or six years
0: later. Yeah. Well, 1982 is when E.T. came out and 88 is when Mac and Me came out. So it's just a six year difference. I wouldn't say that's a generation. No. No. Um, but he also said like he wanted to use his, um, he was super proud of his sort of ownership over the McDonald's brand and a lot of their stuff he yep. had licenses to. And so he wanted to make a cross promotional thing. Um, there's a legend that McDonald's uh, partially financed the film, mm-hmm. which he denies. But uh, they got funding from Golden State Foods, which is a food distributor that distributes to McDonald's, so it's like like through whatever sort of vicarious means there were investments made, yeah. and also apparently Coca Cola invested too, but that's also denied because I think that's just like terrible PR. Um, um, this what, what happened?
1: What happens in ET? Isn't there like a candy that they eat a lot in that? Like they eat Skittles and Mac and Me. What is the candy
0: that they eat in ET? Oh man, I haven't seen it's ET. Not like M Ms.
1: So do they eat M Ms or what do they? Eat? They eat something they like eat, a tiny
0: candy. I think oh, maybe, do they eat Reese's eats. Reese's pieces, yeah. I think yeah, it's that's Reese's it pieces. Yeah. Um also so Ronald McDonald is in the film. Is he ever? To the chagrin of McDonald's, they they like wrote this entire sort of massive contract out and they were like, Yes, you can use our branding and our licensing and our merch and blah blah blah, but they're like, Whatever you do, Ronald McDonald cannot be in the film. And sure as shit, he's super duper in that movie. <laughs> Um, and I, apparently there was like no litigation or sort of legal stuff that happened.
1: They were just like, damn it. You guys got us again.
0: Yeah. So, so this film was, um, uh, sort of, this film was the first film to use cross promotion with fast food to develop toys in conjunction with the film's release. Right. So in an odd way, Mac and me is super innovative because I remember when I was a kid, You know, like, spy kids would come out, and then you get a Happy Meal and, like, a little shitty toy Mm -hmm. that was part of that movie. And they stopped doing that in 2006 after the, you know, some really terrible PR mishaps happened with fast food and specifically McDonald's. Right. And they kind of pulled back on that. Um, But this film, like, did basically start a 30-year legacy of, like, Disney films, children's films getting released, and then Happy Meals having associated toys. So that's, like, really interesting.
1: They they have those still now though. Uh
0: I yes, but I think to a lesser like extent yeah, than not... what they used to. I don't eat at McDonald's very often. I honestly don't know what I'm talking about. I have never had I haven't had a a happy meal in like fifteen years. Yeah. So I don't know. But I yeah, I'm sure they have toys. Actually do they?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in a McDonald's like, I don't know, whenever, a year ago or something. I remember seeing uh
0: you bought yourself a toy? Oh yeah, I gotta get the happy because toy You're you a man gotta, baby?
1: Yeah, I'm a man baby,
0: yeah. Um so interestingly though, so RJ Lewis, he he was like for a while the only one who had the McDonald's trademark, and it's really hard to like put McDonald's in your film, but he was able to do it kind of early on. So Yeah, it is know, kind of it is kind of
1: really stick out.
0: It's really jarring. And Coca Cola, like two of the most profitable corporations in the world mm-hmm. are in this movie. It's crazy. Um
1: yeah, they must they must have thought that they were onto something, but it's like when you look
0: at the alien characters, it's like
1: who <laughs> who wants to see this?
0: Yeah, it's pretty friggin' jarring. Um Okay, so it was directed by Stuart Raffle, written by Steve I don't know how to say this Fecky F-E-K-E. F-E-K-E. And then Stuart Raffle did the final draft and basically what happened was R.J. Lewis started working on this film, got a script written, hated it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Stuart Raffel, uh gets hired to make the film and direct it. And he, here, here's a quote. He said, I was hired out of the blue and the producer asked me to come down to the office. So I did. And uh, he had a whole crew there, a whole crew on the payroll. It was amazing. He had the transportation captain, the camera department head, the AD, the production manager. He had everybody hired, and I said, well, what's the script? And he said, we don't have a script. I don't like the script. You you have to write the script. You're going to have to write it quickly, so prep the movie and write the script on the weekends. And that's basically like how he made the film and uh, probably a big reason why it's such a shitty thing. Yeah, it seems a bit rushed. Yeah.
1: Well, both. Yeah, there you go. Both movies were kind of like the movies were being made as the story was being written, you know?
0: Another interesting fact. So, Eric Cruz, the kid in the wheelchair, was actually wheelchair bound. Uh, He has spina bifida. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's right. Spina bifida. Yeah. An incomplete closing of the spine and the membranes around the spinal cord during early development and pregnancy. Yep. Okay. Well, that's kind of interesting. And that was something that uh, Stuart Raffel felt really uh, was critical to the movie was to have, you know, somebody who's actually in a wheelchair play a character in a wheelchair. Yeah, and no one gave a fuck. Yeah, he he was so proud of it. Every interview he was in, he was talking about it, and nobody cared.
1: Well, it's good to know so, that that's what happened, though, because generally yeah. that's never really the case.
0: No, no, absolutely.
1: And also, like, you don't even really think about it or notice it as the movie goes on except for the few parts where it's like very wheelchair based
0: yes well there's a couple car chase sequences that are pretty cool Yeah. but also it's like a rip off of the bike chase yeah exactly from E.T.
1: they basically do Uh, the bike chase but in a wheelchair
0: yeah Uh, there was a planned sequel that never came out because the film did so poorly yes Um, there's also a brief uncredited cameo of jennifer aniston really yeah she is she's at the mcdonald's yep she's in the crowd watching the dancing oh yeah and uh so and it's kind of interesting because the scene in which um eric cruz falls off the cliff the iconic scene, scene paul rudd famously every time he's on conan he's promoting something he very genuinely says he brought a clip of the movie or the TV show that he's in, and then yeah. it's always the exact same clip from Mac and Me. Yeah. And for years, I was always like, "Man, like, what movie is that?" Um. And now I've, I've, I've seen the scene in context, and I love it.
2: <laughs>
0: um. But it's funny because the first time he did it, he was promoting Friends, which is a show that Jennifer Aniston was on. Yeah, oh, where well,
1: that you get? Well, yeah, well, well.
0: Isn't that fun? This is just like a fun, like full circle That's a thing. Fun and, fact. And I think he did it. Oh fuck! Almost twenty times. Yeah, he did it a lot,
1: and then when yeah. Conan, when he did his going off the air thing a couple of months ago, yeah, Paul yeah. Rudd did it again.
0: I know <laughs> it was good. <laughs> uh, I saw that clip; it's so funny. Ugh, ugh! I love Paul Rudd. Um, yes, there's a couple other little snippets. Apparently, I did not check this, but this is one of very few films that has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh wow! A zero is uh very hard to get.
1: Yeah. Um, wait, speaking of the the scene when the kid goes down the hill on the wheelchair. Yep. And then goes off a cliff and lands on the lake. Mm hmm. Uh, in both movies, there's a character that falls a far distance while on wheels.
0: Yes, yes.
1: That's um, right. Cousin Scott Pilgrim. What's his face? Chris Evans. Chris Evans' his character uh, goes down, he grinds on the rails at
0: Casa Loma. Well, I I guess the other thing I want to say is both films have very abrupt, sporadic moments of intense violence. Yeah, kind of, and then interspersed with sort of like more jovial, silly stuff. Yeah, because you know? they, well, they both, both have both like movies cor- are really silly. They they're both very silly, yeah. But very violent.
1: And there's also like a cartoony logic to like the physics sometimes. Because
2: mm-hmm. there's yeah. the
1: part where Mac gets hit by the car and then he's like spl- flattened onto the front of the windshield kind of like a looney tunes character mm-hmm. uh and then similarly in the other movie like a character will get thrown into a building in like a comical way
0: that's uh that's great mike you're really good stuff good stuff you
1: see see, you seem uh <laughs> wiped out
0: <laughs> dead inside i'm i'm here buddy i'm here i drank a whole pot of coffee and it did nothing wow I was just like still fucking zoinked I also watched like two Sandra Bullock movies this morning. what I couldn't sleep, which ones uh while you were sleeping, which and... you were not no, I was definitely not sleeping. I was watching somebody else sleep, yeah, and two weeks' notice, okay, both really good time. who's in while you were sleeping again uh Bill Pullman, right right, 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 yeah, and Peter Gallagher or no. Callagher.
1: Yeah, yeah. What happens in that one Does someone get married while they were sleeping or something?
0: So, uh, she works at a, like, Chicago train station of as, course. like, a booth operator, and uh, there's this guy who's, like, a high-profile lawyer that she, like, has a crush on, and then she, she never makes a move, and then he falls on the, he gets pushed onto the track by muggers on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. so she runs and saves his life, but then he gets put into a coma because he hits his head, and... Yeah. Through funny happenstance, a nurse overhears her whisper to herself, I was going to marry him when he's being pulled away into the ICU and she's not allowed to be there because she's not family. when And the nurse hears this, takes it literally, lets her through, introduces her to the family as the fiance. And they're like, we didn't know Peter was getting married. And then uh, she meets Peter's brother, Bill Pullman. And then they slowly fall in love. Right. And then Peter wakes up. It's It's great, man. Honestly, it's a perfect film.
1: It's funny that you just synopsized the entire thing. Um, Also, this is like one of those movies where it's like a rom-com, but it's also like pretty creepy.
0: Yeah, There's There's like sociopathic
1: behavior, but it's also romantic.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's a pretty profound level of toxicity in a lot of rom-coms that you do need to be cognizant of because if you just take it at the sort of the face value There are some really intense implications that are quite disturbing. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially like from 1992 to 2006. I feel like there's this weird sweet spot where there was pretty fucked up rom-coms, which I'm a fan of. You know, nobody's perfect.
1: There just was a lot of them.
0: Yes. Well, I'm also going on like a Reese Witherspoon bender. Yeah. Cause she was in a couple in the early aughts, and uh, they're fun, man. They're so fun.
1: You're you're having spoon fest.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm spoon feeding myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow. Clearly, I just want to talk about rom coms more than I want to talk about Mac and yeah, me. Yeah. What, what does a that say about me surprise? as a co-host of this I know, show? What a surprise. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Fago more, huh? Oh, a uh, little fun fact. So the director, uh, Stuart Raffel. Kind of looks like Anthony Bourdain, and I just watched the Roadrunner documentary about Anthony Bourdain's life.
2: Quite interesting.
0: Yeah. But anyways, the director kind of looks like Anthony Bourdain, and I was Mm. like, oh, isn't that nice? I wish I looked like Anthony Bourdain. You kind of do. God bless you, Mike. God bless you. That was your birthday gift to me, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of look like Anthony Bourdain.
1: Well, you you look more like... The human teeth version of Sonic the Hedgehog than, <laughs> <laughs> than Anthony Bourdain.
0: But I thought <laughs> <laughs> Oh Jesus. I love it. I thought you were gonna be like, you kinda look like Mac. Just like no. gross latex glove stretched over an exoskeleton with eyes that don't really move and a mouth that doesn't work.
1: Yeah. I mean Mac is like fairly cute, but his family is ooh. The like, dad? When you is age rough. you look like God, you just look like garbage <laughs> when you're old as an alien, whatever they whatever species they are they all look
0: like just they're yeah you're they're mess they're like just hot mess, yeah, really really hot mess, yeah, uh also it seems like on the planet they were on that they got picked up by uh really like what do they do, what is there to do
1: seems like just kinda wander around,
0: but what do they eat what do they I don't know, and uh, uh there was like a uh implications or suggestions that their planet was dying. Yeah. So it's kind of on its last legs. Not dissimilar to the world that Scott Pilgrim lives in, where there's clearly, uh, you know, climate change happening. Mm, Yeah. Just by virtue of it happening in Toronto. That's right, yeah. You know, so yeah. Two dying planets, two
1: movies. I've been in Toronto in the
0: summer. It is a hot place. Hot mess. It's a hot mess, yeah. Hot mess. Kind of like Sandra Bullock at the beginning of most of the films I just watched. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Reese Witherspoon.
1: Any stories from the cast of like people who played the aliens and what it was like being in those weird looking suits?
0: No, I I like skinny. Oh yes, real thin. It's really tough. Like there wasn't a lot of information on the aliens. There were a bunch of puppeteers, but Mm -hmm. nothing nothing on them. You know what I mean? Mm. I I don't even know what they were made of. Like I couldn't find like uh, I mean I didn't look that hard. If I'm being totally honest, I mean because again I'm. You know, a husk of a man this weekend. I really put truly myself are. through the ringer. You know how you know how the alien dad looks? Yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel, inside <laughs> and out.
2: <laughs> uh, that's good.
0: <laughs> just like a circular mouth that can't close, big buggy eyes, and I'm just like in a latex suit wandering in the desert with my family. Yeah.
1: And you're always putting your hands in the going <laughs> Making your hands. Oh, that yeah, and they whistle they do to kinda of, the whistle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about the whistle. Is there any whistling in Scott Pilgrim? I don't think so. Oh, damn it! Fuck! I thought I had one. Mm. Um, I can't think of any. Uh, no, man. I I like really couldn't find much on the uh, suits, but they That's were puppeteered. Fine. Especially the baby. The baby was all puppets. There, there, there wasn't a person in there.
1: He no. has a name,
0: Mac. The titular Mac. But Mac, your name can't be an acronym. They're all Macs. Yeah, they are all our Macs, yeah. They're all mysterious alien creatures, so it's kind of a, I feel like that's a misnomer because it's like, oh, it's Mac and me, but it's like, actually, there's like three or four Macs, so Macs and me.
1: What are your your thoughts on the ending where they all kind of get American citizenship and they're all wearing suits and everybody just treats them like normal people?
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're doing the citizenship, like, oath. Uh, I honestly, I laughed out loud during that yeah, scene, but from stupid. the movie, not from the fucking riffing from Mystery Science Theater. Right, right. I loved it. I was shocked. I didn't really understand where the shot was going. I was like, "What is happening?" And then it just reveals them slowly with a beautiful pan, and I was yeah. like, "This, this is cinema." And there also somebody phone the... Martin Scorsese because I found some cinema for him to watch. <laughs> also,
1: all the humans kiss. The weird alien skin. Yeah. Like, like they're all, the hu- the aliens are wearing human clothes and then the humans go up to them and like kiss them on the cheek and the weird head and stuff. And it's well, like, you well, don't need to do that. They don't know what this means.
0: It's like a physical version of ASMR. They just want to like get their lips on that, what it seems like a simultaneously smooth and super rough flesh. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? Like there's just the, the biological curiosity to be like, what do they feel like? on my mouth you know what i mean like babies are putting their fingers in their mouths they need a pacifier even adults have those sort of you know inclinations at times specifically you shut up
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean okay let's go let's go through some similarities let's just run run through these
0: Oh, actually, there's one. Can I read a review? Yes. So, the Washington Post, Richard Harrington wrote, In fact, Mac and me could just as well have been called OT, the other terrestrial. So frequent and clumsy are its references to ET, the extraterrestrial. Forget about calling home. ET, call lawyer. Whoa. Isn't that fun? That's a pretty fun
1: review. It's also from that era of time where... It's from that era of time where movie reviewers were like, it's my job to be just vicious.
0: Yeah, and eviscerate these movies. Yeah. This children's movie.
1: Yeah, and they thought they had to be so
0: clever. Yeah, yeah. I I don't read reviews. Are they not like that anymore?
1: I haven't really read a movie review like that in a long time. Mm, mm. Like even if you go to RogerEbert.com and you just see all the people who work for that website who are not the titular Robert Ebert, may he rest in peace yeah um yeah people are just generally kind of nice whereas ebert used to try and like
0: get a couple of digs in every once in a while because he was a funny guy Hmm. um all right some similarities start us off mike
1: well both movies feature titular characters yeah and it is a titular character versus the world because oh Mac, oh yes that's a good comparison Italian chef kiss. Yeah, because uh, Mac and me is Mac is like, he's a fish out of water in a world that was never meant for him, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, you know, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is the title of the movie. And he's mm-hmm. kind of like against everybody, kind of. Who doesn't believe in him. And the person who he needs to believe in himself the most, himself.
0: Preach. Preach. preach.
1: So yeah, there's, there's one for you.
0: That's great. So... So, I'm I'm going to take you on a little journey, okay? Both films are both fantasy sci-fi films, okay? Mm -hmm. But they're also both musicals. Go on. So, they're both sci-fi fantasy films in that there's sort of like fantastical, bizarro things that happen, crazy action, unbelievable stuff, one might say. But they're also musicals because Scott Pilgrim has multiple songs that happen throughout the film and that's part of the narrative. And there's, like, a whole dance number in uh, Mac and Me.
1: Yeah, that's right, in the McDonald's.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're both, basically, they're the exact same genre. But not only one genre, they're, you know, they're both the same smorgasbord. hmm Yeah, so that's that's fun. Isn't that fun? It is very fun. I'll I'm build having off, fun. I'll build up Oh, off, yeah, yeah.
1: I'll build up of that one. Both both have a scene where characters go to the hottest live show in town. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Pilgrim they go to the Clash and Head concert or whatever and mm-hmm. uh, yeah at Mac and Me apparently the hottest place to be is that McDonald's because <laughs> there's like people break dancing outside like everybody's listening to music and just getting down it's like I've never been to a McDonald's like that
0: well you know what I will say McDonald's was a different thing back then
1: oh yeah feels, like they it's, literally
0: would have staff dressed up as those characters fucking yeah. walking around and telling your kid to clean up you know
1: yeah it was like i remember it in the 80s it definitely felt like a magical place to go mm-hmm. um whereas now it's it's now it's just kind mcdonald's of is soul crushing
0: yeah. it's, it's like walking into an apple store but you know there's just poop particles on everything yeah interesting yeah it's really, interesting. Yeah, really. wow that's a hot take bob okay yeah. i remember reading a report about uh the touch screen things that they use now for ordering food and they did a like a test this is yeah. probably true of most things, but they were like, they found poo particles across they they examined like 20% of the McDonald's in North America, or in America or something, and uh, like 85% of them had poo particles on the oh. touchscreens. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, you know, if, if it ain't one pandemic, it'll be another one where everyone has pink eye.
1: Yep, 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 yep. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Uh... Yeah, but anyways, that's 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 great. They so both films also they uh, they have sort of bizarre uh, romances or like clunky depictions of romance. Yeah, yeah. I'd say they're both very awkward. Like the older brother and the the neighbor older sister who works at the titular McDonald's. Yes, is it a titular McDonald's? Was was Mac not short for McDonald's?
1: That's what I. Oh, I see. Yes, I wondered about that. McDonald's and me. I feel like that had to be a part of it. They're like, let's name him this so that it
0: reminds people of the Big Mac. Yeah, Big Mac Donald.
1: Yeah, and the, also the aliens, like they were so ugly, they just kind of like looked like somebody had ate him Big Mac and <laughs> shat it out into a alien <laughs> character. It just looked so <laughs> rancid.
0: Oh, they just gave shit to a an ate like a just just the 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 creation of. Everything in your body going wrong from mm-hmm. eating a bunch of McDonald's, and then this creature comes out and it's horrific, but also can whistle like nobody's business. <laughs> well, also, just walking around looking for Coca Cola, but yeah. your Coke heads. That's that's what I say.
2: Truly, your truly.
0: yeah, they love the stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, pretty clunky romance. And then, of course, like, you know, Scott Pilgrim, the whole film is predicated on his awkward romance and his sort of indecision and his, yeah. um, you know, his quirk, quirky charm. So quirky. So maybe both films have quirky, lanky, blonde boys.
2: Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, also, I would say there's uh, characters stalking a manic pixie in both movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, um, yeah. Scott Pilgrim he's stalking a manic pixie dream girl. As they call them, mm-hmm. just like quirky woman who ch- changes her hair color every day, blah blah blah. Yeah, Ramona Flowers is like really well, oh, She's very quirky and whatnot. But uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Mac-A-Me, the manic pixie is Mac because he's manic and he's kind of like a weird little magical creature.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And they're trying to ca- they're trying to catch him always.
0: Um, both films are based off of uh, pre existing IP. Nice. Okay, so um, Scott Pilgrim obviously, a graphic novel came first, and I think it's undeniable that Mac and Me wouldn't exist without both E.T., McDonald's, and Coca Cola. That's right, yeah. So the 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 the, uh, the intellectual property is a little more indirect with Mac and Me, but mm-hmm. it's also even more in your face, a little bit than, yeah. than uh, Scott Pilgrim.
1: I guess, kind of on that note, um, both of the movies kind of play on eighties nostalgia. And, oh. that, and that Mac and me came out in the 80s so I guess yeah. that, that wasn't its intention it was just kind of like this is the, this is now but now when you watch it it's like the music is so 80s the fashion is so 80s mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: and uh, Scott Pilgrim there's so many video game references to the 80s like Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Legend of Zelda all these things yeah Super Mario also in both movies there's a big department store featured in one of the scenes because they go to there's like a big uh set piece in sears in mac and me i believe
0: yeah 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 that's right i forgot about
1: that. where the agents are like rushing into the sears or something like that and then the um uh scott pilgrim they go to they don't go inside but there's honest eds in the background of a lot of shots yeah in the comic they go in honest eds but not in the movie hmm. interesting i think there's a battle in honest eds in the, the comic if i'm not mistaken
0: Oh, cool. So that would have been a
1: very, Uh, very very similarity where there's a battle inside of a department store.
0: Yeah, I mean, put Stranger Things in there too and you pretty much got her made, you know? Yeah. Another similarity is the main character has to basically uh, get out of trouble being chased or pursued by an arbitrary villain. Mm-hmm. So, like, Scott Pilgrim, he doesn't need to fight all these ex-boyfriends, but he does have to. But there's yeah. no explanation for it. Yeah. Um, and similarly, I don't really know why the Macs are getting vilified throughout the movie and are being chased. as they're aliens. Quite literally illegal aliens. Yeah. Um, wow, There's this must be, like, a really intense parable for immigration oh well yeah maybe i feel like you you could definitely read into it if you wanted because they're like aliens they get citizenship they're pursued by some sort of government agency Mm -hmm. you know it's there it's interesting i wonder you know so the director grew up in the uk and then emigrated with his family to work in film i wonder if that was his intention
1: Mm, i wonder yeah i doubt it but he's from the so the director is from the uk
0: uh yeah oh my both. god both films have UK directors there you go there's one Oh right my there, god right? sorry I I, t- I took that from you but uh, oh no we both stumbled good upon. point I didn't know good that point. the
1: the guy was from the UK
0: yeah yeah he he moved I think in his like teen years he hmm. moved to the states but yeah anyways so the main character has to basically like battle an arbitrary villain that's that really doesn't need to be there nor is explained well
1: I they don't I don't think they say we're Gideon or. Um, Ramona is from, but they say that they're American. Maybe they're from Uh Chicago.
0: Interesting, yeah. It would probably be from that area. If they're from Chicago, then both films have characters from Chicago. Yeah, well,
1: let's just say that. Yeah,
0: nice. And let the haters figure it out on the internet.
1: Yeah, haters.
0: Yeah. Do you have any uh, other similarities? Yeah, I
1: only have a couple more. Uh, There's a desert at the end of the movie. Oh, shit. Because in the um, Scott Pilgrim... He goes into, when he like dies, mm-hmm. he goes into that weird desert land that is in his mind that um, Ramona uses to, to you know, do a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a desert at the end of the movie. And that's the same as in Mack when they go to the desert, the literal that's desert. Right. So there's that. Also in both movies, uh, the main character, the titular character dies and comes back to life. Oh my God. You're right. Well, no, actually, no. It's not the titular character. Mac doesn't die, does he? But the little boy no, dies. No, well,
0: no, no. Mac, Mac doesn't die. The male
1: protagonist live. dies.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. And is brought back stuff, to life. Man. Dark yeah. stuff. Yeah, I was reading about that. Like he, he dies in Mac and Me very briefly, or whatever, after that huge explosion. And I think they they had two versions. And I think there's one version where he literally dies and doesn't get revived. Right. Yeah, which is super dark. And they tested it, and they were like, ooh, this is not working. This is such a bummer. Why would they... A film that's already sad. Yeah, why would they end a kid's movie like that? Well, because they're trying to push the envelope. A movie about illegal aliens, government intervention, what is it to be American? You know, it's all this heavy-hitting stuff. Truly. If anything, Scott Pilgrim's more of a fluff piece than Mac and Me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just in terms of, like, like, what is Scott Pilgrim even about?
1: I think there's like kind of a listlessness and um lack of purpose that a lot of, you know, North American males feel. Right. And, like us
0: two podcasters. Yeah, pretty much, yeah.
1: <laughs> and so for whatever reason, that's like an interesting thing to explore, which I'm not hundred percent in agreement of, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So not really the same thing though as Mac and me, which is exploring really important issues. <laughs> like immigration I, I think so. reform and yeah. stuff
0: yeah it's heavy man now that i think about it that movie's kind of really makes you think puts things in perspective
1: also like how
0: mcdonald's is the center of the world it seems like in america but it's odd because the depiction is so positive i know oh oh! Uh, part of the proceeds or the box office for mac and me went to the ronald mcdonald house oh that's good yeah. That's good. I mean, obviously not much because it didn't make very much money, but the intention was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was basically it for my list. I oh, don't same. Know. oh wow. Oh crisp. What a crisp crisp. Hot ending. Cold open, hot ending. So crisp. Piping hot.
1: Ah so crisp. <laughs>
0: Um, uh, do you think you're going to read the graphic novels again for Scott Pilgrim? Are they like a thing that you revisit or it was like a one and done? Uh,
1: no, I, I'll, re- I'll reread them. I haven't read them in a long time actually. So I actually, after watching the movie, I was like, I got to read these comics again.
0: Yeah. So maybe I'll read them this week. If I uh, il- personally illustrate and draw, or whoa, whoa, what? If I personally illustrate and write mm-hmm. Mac and Me graphic novel, yes would you read it
1: of course i would
0: really why would i not you just seems like something you wouldn't do
1: well i would though
0: just to hurt my feelings you'd be like yeah yeah, sure i'll read it and then you never do and i'm like oh i made it for you mike
1: i'd be interested to see your interpretation of the lore (laughs) of mac and me
0: i just make it really political and heavy and extremely left-wing
1: yeah i mean that's it's in there so you can you can just you just got to extract it you know
0: Exactly, well put, well put.
1: Yeah, it seems in favor of uh, immigration.
0: It is, it's pro-immigration. That's yeah. what's so weird, but it's also pro-corporate uh, America. Yeah. It's really uh, conflicting, because it's like big private business is a positive thing, look, everybody's dancing. Yes. But at the same time, it's <laughs> like pro-immigration, and like government intervention should be reduced. Yes, Interesting. Yeah, really, really fascinating movie.
1: Yeah, I think you might be the only person who's like had. I want to write a
0: dissertation on it now.
1: Please do. I, I dare you to. I actually <laughs> dare you to.
0: Just <laughs> a thousand pages, just ripping this movie into like a new frontier of intellectual, you know, wanking.
1: People will be like, "Oh yeah, we gotta I have to reconsider Mac and me and then it becomes like a new modern classic.
2: Mhm. Because of yeah. you.
0: You know, not all heroes wear capes, you know what I mean? Truly they
1: yeah, Black Panther specifically doesn't
0: at all. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, very good. Any closing thoughts or ideas or uh things or Oh,
1: actually, here's a great connection.
0: Oh, I just yeah.
1: thought of this. This is actually really good. Paul Rudd, he plays Ant-Man. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh and he always would show that clip from mac and me on conan o'brien of the kid going off the cliff in the wheelchair yeah yeah and edgar wright was supposed to he like wrote ant-man he wrote it like an ant-man script he Mm. was supposed to make the ant-man movies this is like a connection to mac and me between the two of them i guess
0: yeah that's cool
1: yeah and he was working on the scripts for uh, for ant-man but then he started working on scott pilgrim instead so Mm. he took a break from the ant-man stuff
0: that's so there's cool. like an Ant Man connection, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I guess like there's a lot of Marvel, uh, soon to be Marvel actors when the movie came out, and then another Marvel actor was rep and Mac and me for 15 years. Yeah, Mac and actually me is, 20 years.
1: Mac and me is connected to the Marvel universe.
0: Yeah, it actually might be inside of the MCU. It might be yeah, uh, the Mac cinematic universe. That's good stuff, man. That's really good, Mike. Wow. You're, wow. you're a smart cookie. Uh, I, I well,
1: am. yeah. It's just take, taking, uh, yeah, pop culture, you know, minutiae, and it's meaningless.
0: <laughs> 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 like everything. Yeah, yeah. What is life? What
1: is life? That's what this podcast really asks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, great. Uh, that was like a real nice, spicy. Epi. One to dump. Right at the end, that was sick. Thank you. All right, so I guess that's maybe the end of the episode. No, no, no. Say the line. This uh, feels over. This feels over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, so this feels over. Thanks everybody nice. for listening. Uh, we're back after a one week hiatus.
0: So thanks. Yeah. For, sorry, thanks for I went binge drinking for a week. Everybody, I pretty much derailed our entire. Uh, oh. 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 Oh God. Let me die uh yeah i just derailed the entire show but mike is very patient very friendly this was his birthday gift to me Was me me bailing multiple times on this recording totally fine but we did it baby we did it we did it woohoo um sick well see you next week see you next week canines bye keep salivating